name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. On the first hymn that we sang, <clears throat> may the Holy Spirit enter in and work in our hearts that we live in love and holy faith and learn true wisdom. To that end, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I want to take us through some stuff this morning. And I want to stick pretty close to the script I have here. <clears throat> I want to encourage thinking about how we make sense of what we believe. I want to encourage thinking about how we make sense about what we believe and how we live. Especially when the issue is something so basic as the faithfulness of God. I will be using St. Paul's own struggle as an example in the Romans reading just before. But to set this up, and to set up the issue that I mean to raise, let me cite these words also from our service this morning. From Isaiah. Oh, everyone, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come and buy and eat without price. Why do you spend your money and labor for that which does not satisfy? Come and eat what is good. Come to me. Listen so that you may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. The prophet says, God says. Or the words from the psalm. Lord, you are good to all, and your compassion is over all your works. The eyes of all wait upon you, O Lord, and you give them their food in your season. You open wide your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. You are righteous in all your ways and loving in all your words. <clears throat> I'm sure that these good words have their place in today's service because they relate to the gospel lesson and could support well a sermon on this feeding miracle, this miracle of sharing food or multiplying food. And typically, we make good use the biblical language and the eternal, the liturgical language that gives us words about feeding and nourishment and banquet. And when these words speak to us about God's promise to nourish life, the words that we are so familiar with are embedded in our worship from our Eucharistic language to our table prayer. God will feed. But let me 
ask the question, what meaning do these words have outside church walls? I'm thinking of those places of extraordinary things. Did you catch the images on TV? The images of East African Somalia. Perhaps we missed it because of all the political events and the coverage of the Dead Sea debate. But there they were again. Countless starving refugees, adults and children, millions. We, of course, remind ourselves that we well may be the hand God would use to provide the food they need. <coughs> and with your good hearts, I think that will happen. But now, if you will, set that good thought aside and hold on to the fact of the hand perhaps see the issue. The issue about the meaning of our faith language that we regularly speak regardless of so much else that we regularly see. And I do not mean to be discouraging. On the contrary, again, I want to encourage thinking through hard questions. Thinking through hard questions while grounded in faith and led by the Spirit so that we do in fact reason things out. We recite. You open wide your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. And those words say something about God's character. God's covenant faithfulness to the world he made. But how and where is this faithfulness to be seen? Paul had this issue. In today's Roman reading, only introduces what is a long and intense thinking through these kinds of hard questions. So we pay attention. All right. I am speaking the truth in Christ. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. I could wish myself a curse and cut off from Christ for the sake of my life. All right, sir. After boldly stating what we are eager to affirm, that is, nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ, Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Paul goes on immediately to say, until great sorrow. 
his side. Must he conclude that Israelite, his kinfolk, are out? How can that be after all God's covenant promise? Has the word of God failed? And then if so, then God's rightful goodness is at stake and at issue. Paul lets himself ask the awful question. And then he works it out. That's my point. He works it out. And he retells the history of Israel by locating in Christ God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness to a world that we know also is so filled with legalism self-interest. But Paul's working that out in faith is a topic for good study. The whole point is this. As Paul did, so also can we both take God's faithfulness as foundation and yet search for ways to have that belief make sense. And if the method of your reasoning that seeks to have the belief make sense is different from someone else's method, well, compare, learn, talk, grow, correct? But see the shared Both may be faith-seeking understanding. I like that phrase. Faith-seeking understanding. It goes back to an old church father, Anselm, somewhere in the first thousand years after Christ. Active love, desire for God, seeking deeper knowledge in our lives. <clears throat> and here, I want to encourage our faith to seek meaningful understanding of God's faithfulness in the face of perhaps our own great sorrow. Paul had his great sorrow and he worked it out. I think we have our own great sorrow sorrows over awful things that we can sometimes name, such as people are suffering for unrestrained self-interest and cruelty simply seem to reign for the sorrows of my partner in life. Grief. 
or simply the smile that says, I really don't understand what people see when they talk about God. What I do see and understand is that there's human suffering and great need Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Come on, 